BridgeBank helps breakthrough ideas actually break through and remains dedicated to providing financial solutions to those committed to leveraging innovation to make the world a better place. BridgeBank, a division of Western Alliance Bank. BridgeBank, be bold, venture wisely. Hey, it's Glenn Washington from Snap Judgment. And if you love what you're hearing, and I know you love what you're hearing, please consider becoming a KQED member get special access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. Plus, you'll sleep better at night knowing you did your part for the community you depend upon. It's in you. Please be in it. Visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts to sign up now. That's podcast with an S. Thanks. From KQED. From KQD in San Francisco, I'm Alexis Madrigal. The year is 1972, and homosexual acts were illegal in 49 states. There were many avenues leading from then to now, but one important route for the empowerment of the queer community begins with school teacher Jean Manford marching with her son Morty during the Christopher Street Liberation Day March. She held a sign that read, Parents of Gays Unite in Support for Our Children, and it was a revolutionary act. Manford insisted on publicly loving her son and founded an organization now known as PFLAG, inviting other parents to do the same. 50 years later, we look at the impact these families' activism has had. That's all coming up next, after this news. Welcome to Forum. I'm Alexis Madrigal. This show was inspired by a new feature in the New Yorker magazine by Catherine Schultz, which details the way that Jean and Morty Manford established a powerful social and political organization that contributed to what Schultz describes as a transformation, incomplete but nonetheless astonishing, in the legal, political, and social status of LGBTQ people in America. At a time when so many parents of trans and queer children across this country are finding themselves persecuted in old and new ways. The essay is a remarkable reflection on the, quote, moral courage of people like Gene Manford in standing up to the forces of hate with the unshakable conviction of their love for their children. So today we discuss the history of PFLAG, honor the Manford's legacy, and reflect on where this long struggle is headed. I'm joined this morning first by Catherine Schultz, staff writer, friend of the show, uh, staff writer at The New Yorker, friend of the show. Her most recent piece is How One Mother's Love for Her Gay Son Started a Revolution, and she's also the author of Lost and Found, a memoir. Welcome to the show. Wonderful to be here, Alexis. Thanks for having me. We are also joined by Avril Swan, who is the granddaughter of PFLAG founder Jean Manford. She's a physician uh, and practices here in San Francisco. Welcome. Thanks so much for having me. Um, Catherine, let's start with you. Who was Jean Manford? <laughs> well, I feel like we should start with Avril for that uh, because she has a much more intimate knowledge of her grandmother than I do. But I can speak about Jean Manford from the perspective uh, most of us would have, which is, um, who was she? She, she was a revolutionary. Um, she was a very unlikely revolutionary in some respects. Uh, she grew up in Flushing, Queens, and, and raised her own family there. 
Uh, and when her youngest child, her son Morty, was outed to her, uh, she she bucked the the kind of um, cultural and political ethos of the moment she was living in and embraced him wholeheartedly, and uh, which was kind of the first radical thing she did. But the second radical thing she did was to realize almost right away that simply loving her son was not sufficient if the world was telling her she should hate him. And and she set about trying to change that. Uh, and she founded a support group in Manhattan that became the kind of first fledgling incarnation of, of what we now know as PFLAG, an enormous uh, national and indeed international organization that supports uh, friends and family members of people who identify in one way or another as queer. Mm. You know, you begin this uh, feature with the march, this march that occurs in 1972, Christopher Street Liberation um, March. And I want to play, this is a a cut from um, an appearance that she made um, with her husband, Jules Morty's uh, dad, on the Pat Collins Show. This is from 1974. um, And they're holding up this photo of Gene Manford um, and her son, Morty, and this is the discussion that followed. We have a picture here, and I see that you're in this parade. I think it's, a Saint, it's the Christopher Street yes, Parade, and you're marching there with your son a couple of years ago. And I think a lot of people at home might be saying, gee, it's one thing for her as a mother to feel strongly about this matter, about her son, but, but why support him to the point of marching with him? What's the importance of that? Because I love my son, and I want him to know how I feel. I want him to know that I would do anything. You know, I'm not a martyr. My, son, my husband and I like to live a good life, and we enjoy going out together. But our children's lives are important, and I will do anything within my power to see that their future is good, to make them know that I feel this way about them. God, and that, to, your, to your point, Catherine... I mean, it's that second piece, right? Not just love and acceptance, but <laughs> but deciding to go out and change the world so that her son's life would be better. Yeah, it's. I'm so glad you played that because it, you, you couldn't kind of get a, a pithier encapsulation of who Jean Manford was and, and, and why she accomplished the things that she did, which was just this absolute clarity that sometimes love uh, calls for action. You know, sometimes simply adoring the people around you is, is not sufficient. You have to stand up and protect them and, and throw in your lot with theirs. And that's what she did with just such remarkable fortitude and, and grace. And, you know, part of why I started that piece at that march in 1972 was to try to convey what I think can be difficult to understand today, not only about the status of, of you know, LGBT rights, but, but about any kind of past struggle, which is how desperate it was, right? I mean, the, the the courage that it took for her to go out in the streets that day is very hard to fathom when we think about, you know, New York City Pride today, which is, I love it, it's great, it's amazing, but it's basically an enormous street festival, you know? <laughs> um, and And it was, you know, what she did at the time was just astonishingly brave. Yeah. Avril, you knew her as your grandma, what was she like in in that context, like just as a person? Um, first of all, it was so great to hear that clip. <laughs> that was um, really nice to hear her voice. Um, so she was one of the people who raised me. Um, she was 
absolutely loving and kind. Um, and um, she was anxious because I think a lot of bad things had happened in her life. Um, you know, she lost her her dad at an early age and she lost her first son at an, well, she lost her first son. Um, and so, you know, I, I think that there was a lot of anxiety related to that, um, but there was, there was no question about her love and her absolute dedication to her children and, and to me. Because you also knew Morty quite well. I did. Yeah. Yes. What, was, what was he like? Uh, so he was stubborn and smart and passionate. Um, and he had a lot of, um, I think, rightful anger um, about injustice in the world and particularly about injustice uh, towards the gay community. Um, and he was also a person who was incredibly supportive of me and, uh, and of my grandmother. Um, and um, yeah, he was, I mean, he was only 18 years older than I uh, was. And um, so he was, he was a young adult full of passion and, um, and one of my teachers. So we have actually an, another cut. Um, it, this one is actually from um, a, a great podcast called uh, Making Gay History by the historian um, Eric Marcus. And this is actually Morty and Jean together talking about this uh, moment of the march. You came to me and you said, uh, you know, he said, March, will you march with us? I said to him, I will march if you let me carry a sign. Parents of gays unite in support for our children. How did people react to you then against you? They screamed, they yelled, they ran over and kissed me. Well, will you talk to my mother? Uh, wow, my mother saw me here, you know, and they, they just couldn't believe that uh, a parent would do that. It was unbelievable. I had been in the previous year's march also, and the outpouring of emotion from our own community was overwhelming. Nobody got the loud uh, emotional cheers that she did. They were fearful of telling parents. Most of them wouldn't tell. And many had been rejected because the parents knew. I guess they just didn't feel that any parent could be supportive of a gay child. The symbolic presence that my mother provided was a sign of great hope that parents can be supportive, that the people we're closest to, whom we love the most, need not be our enemies, can be our supporters. Catherine, um, this is kind of a, a, it's a, it's a beautiful kind of encapsulation of the relationship that, that they had. And I'm curious, you know, can you tell us a little bit more about, in the early days in particular, what did that organization set out to do? Like, it, it obviously had a politics to it, but that wasn't actually its kind of frontline task. Yeah, that's right. I mean, I think that Jean and Morty and, and also Jules Manford, uh, Morty's father, Jean's husband, 
had a lot of clarity that before you could have a movement, you needed to have members. <laughs> uh, and, and that their first and, and fundamental task was to meet parents where they were, as people say, uh, and, and, and help them find peace with their queer children and, and love for them. And it was only from that that a kind of political uh, response could emerge. So, you know, the, the very first meetings, first of all, they were extremely small. I mean, you read about the first meeting uh, in Manhattan and it was, you know, basically the Manford family outnumbered everybody else there collectively. You know? <laughs> a, a handful of parents showed up, a, a few friends of Morty's and the lesbian activist Barbara Love, who was also crucial to this movement happening. And I will say there was a very committed effort on the part of Morty and Barbara and all the early leaders of PFLAG to, to try to ensure a lot of gender equity and, and, you know, in certain constrained ways, reasonably diverse representation. Um, but in terms of actual parents who showed up, it was just like a tiny number of people. And that happened again and again. I mean, the very first meeting that was held out in L.A., literally no one showed up because they made the mistake of holding it at the gay community center and <laughs> parents didn't want to walk through the door. You know, they didn't want to be seen by a neighbor, by anyone. There was so much fear around it. Um, but, you know, gradually people did start showing up. And again and again, I think Morty felt uh, that that, that um, his role and Jean and Jules and all the other parents felt that their role was to provide a model for how it could be different. You know, I think mm -hmm. there were just, there was a very constrained imagination around what, frankly, what gay people were, what lesbians were, you know, what, mm -hmm. who they could be, what it meant about them, what their opportunities were in the world, what kind of future they faced. Uh, and, and tragically, very few models for the most basic thing of all, which is how to love your child, you know, when your child is different, which let's face it, I mean, I am a mother now, children are different from us. That is the baseline reality of all parents, you know. Uh, but, but, but that was that was kind of the first goal, yeah. was to just help people over those hurdles so that um, they could then in turn start, you know, I, I think once you enable Well, hold that thought, hold that thought just for they, one sec, Catherine. Um, we got to take a quick break. We're talking with Catherine Schultz, staff writer with The New Yorker about PFLAG and its founding 50th anniversary this year. Stay tuned for more. Support for Forum comes from San Francisco Opera. Set 10 years after a school shooting, the critically acclaimed opera Innocence takes us into a complex emotional journey where our understanding of innocence and guilt is constantly upended. Kaya Sariajo's ethereal score collapses the past into the present as a community of survivors grapple with how to move forward. Don't miss the highly anticipated American premiere of Innocence, June 1st through 21st. Learn more at sfopera.com. We've all got those parts of our house where the internet just won't go. Well, if you had wall-to-wall -wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you could worry less about dead spots. Because with wall-to-wall -wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you get fast speeds, reliable connection in every room, and power for all of your devices, even when everyone's online. That's wall-to-wall -wall Wi-Fi only with Xfinity. Restrictions apply. Not available in all areas. Actual speeds vary. Welcome back to Forum. I'm Alexis Madrigal. We're talking about PFLAG, that's parents, family, and friends of lesbians and gays, an advocacy and support organization for the LGBTQIA plus community, celebrates its 50th anniversary this year, and this show is really inspired by Catherine Schultz's uh, feature in The New Yorker, How One Mother's Love for Her Gay Son Started 
a revolution. Catherine joins us this morning. We're also joined by the granddaughter of PFLAG founder, Jean Manfred. That's Avril Swan. She's a physician and practices uh, here in San Francisco. We would love to hear from you. Have you participated in PFLAG? Uh, when you came out, what support was critical or meaningful for you? And, you know, if you have a, a child who's gay, lesbian, queer, part of the LGBTQIA plus community, um, how have you uh, supported them? You can give us a call. The number is 866-733-6786. That's 866-733-6786. You can email forum at kqed.org. You can find us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. We're KQED Forum. Um, we have a great comment that just came in from uh, Kenda. Kenda writes, PFLAG San Francisco saved my relationship with my parents. They gave me a place to understand what parents feel and fear when their children come out. They also gave me a place to cry when they were not quite ready to love me fully. This group of people stood by me as I learned to accept that my parents were on a journey also. My PFLAG family stood by me and stood up with me when I married my spouse in 2012. My PFLAG parents, Sam and Julie Thonin, walked me down the aisle. Then again, when we went to City Hall for our legal wedding in 2013. Thank you, Jeannie, and all the PFLAG people across this country. Catherine, um, just to return to the narrative of this organization. How did it go from a few parents showing up in New York and L.A., how did it begin to grow into this organization, which now has helped so many people like Kenda? Mm, yeah. I mean, I think it was a very beautiful example of uh, a need that almost no one could identify, uh, but was authentically enormous being kind of suddenly met. Because the real answer to how it grew is organically and and by some measures, pretty swiftly, swiftly, you know, that um, very first meeting of PFLAG, which at the time was just called Parents of Gays, uh, was in 1973. And by, you know, 1979, 1980, there were enough chapters all over the country and, and frankly, in other countries for them to start talking about, like, well, maybe we actually are a, a federation. Maybe we can benefit from, from working together. And, you know, the real answer is, I think, the vast majority of people who walked into a PFLAG meeting, no matter where they were, you know, I mean, and, and people could be in dire places. Sometimes the bargain was, fine, I'll go to your stupid PFLAG meeting if you'll agree to see a psychologist. I mean, these were the kinds of conversations happening in households. But the vast majority of people who walked through the door emerged as evangelists for the organization. You know, it gave them their kids back. There's like nothing more valuable. It gave them their families back. And and so they went on and, and uh, talked to other parents about it. And they became open with friends, with community members, with coworkers. And those people who, you know, wherever they were in, in their process of trying to accept and love and support their queer kids said, well, maybe I should go to one of these meetings. And it, it really just, um, yeah. as I said, kind of quite organically took off. You know, I want to, we have one more cut of Gene Manford um, talking. I just want to play it. It's again from the Pat Collins Show in 1974. And the reason I want to play this is I feel like you kind of, it's the concern troll question a little bit here, and it's about psychiatrists. And you get to really hear not just Gene Manford's love, but also her anger. Let's listen. Psychiatrists, Mrs. Manford, as you know, are apparently split on whether 
homosexuality is a sickness or not, and there are some psychiatrists who simply say it is a sexual preference, and there are others who do feel, and feel strongly about this, that it is a mental illness and it needs to be treated. Uh, do you think that your son is totally healthy in terms of, uh, in terms of mentally healthy, or uh, do you think that he is not? There's absolutely no thought in my mind but that he is absolutely healthy. And these psychiatrists who feel that way enrage me because they have put the stigma on my son and people who are gay and have prevented them from finding their place in society. Mm. So that's Gene Manford um, on the Pat Conch show in, in 1974. And that was some of the, the, the questioning that she got there was actually some of the, the nicer questions. This was a very difficult um, environment. Um, I wanted to ask you, Avril, about the the period of time after sort of the organization has sort of been established, it's growing, and you have the uh, emerging AIDS uh, epidemic, which ends up, uh, well, taking Morty's life. Um just about the environment in the family? Yeah, because you were you were yeah. there, right? And you were helping take care of him. Yeah. And, and w- what was it like? Yeah, well, it was intense. Um, you know, I I remember when my, I, I just couldn't believe that it would ever strike my uncle. I mean, I was, I was young. And I remember my grandmother telling me, and I just remember being absolutely shocked um, but then after getting over the shock, um, you know, he, he became ill and, and he became ill quickly, but the, the conversations still continued about, you know, justice and right and wrong in the household. And I remember, um, having conversations about ACT UP and, uh, you know, how their, their methods of, um, of bringing the issues to the public. And, um, and I remember discussions about, you know, getting, getting medication um, through back channels, you know, everybody, everybody was so desperate. Um, And then just being there with my family and my grandmother taking care of my uncle who had a bed in the living room and um it was it was hard um you know feeling feeling scared but she was she was never scared again you know of of aids she was just really um loving and sad um while she took care of my uncle yeah Avril, before we let you go, I mean, what does it mean to be a part of this family that has played, you know, such a such a crucial and, and interesting role in this movement? Well, I'm just so grateful to be a part of this family. And I'm so, you know, so grateful personally to have been a witness to to all of it. Um, and um I I I really I was just an observer. Um, but it it gave me uh, just a really um, you know open mm. open and optimistic perspective um, mm. about what is possible you know coming from human beings um, when there's when there's so much to be um, to be worried about you know just knowing that that people can 
answer to love um, mm. is is something that I'm I'm grateful for. Mm. I love that people can answer to love. Um, thank you so much, Avril, granddaughter of P Flag founder Jean Manford. Avril Swan is a physician and practices here in San Francisco. Thanks so much for joining us this morning. Thank you so much. We're going to get to some of your um, calls and more of your comments. Um, Are you a parent of an LGBTQ child? How have you shown your support? Or, you know, if you're an LGBTQ person, how has your parent's support or the lack of support affected your life? You can give us a call. The number is 866-733-6786. That's 866-733-6786. can email forum at kqed.org. You can find us Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, or KQED Forum. Um, Let's take our first call. Let's bring in... um, Elizabeth in Washington, D.C. Welcome. Hi. Thank you for having me. Yeah. Um, What did you want to share with us? Um, So, first of all, just this is amazing and and to be able to have this space uh, to talk about this. So, thank you. Um, So, I am a uh, PFLAG mom. Um, Our oldest son is gay. Um, Our youngest one just recently came to us kind of undecided. <clears throat> so um, we're kind of going through all of this again. Uh, my son came out to us about uh, nine years ago, mm-hmm. and we are also a military family. Mm-hmm. Um, so we move around a lot um, overseas. And so our oldest is now in college. Um, and I wanted to get involved with an organization to be able to be in a position to advocate, not mm-hmm. just for my child, but for others. And military families, uh, particularly. We, we move around a lot. And so every time you move, you start over, right? right. New friends, new neighborhood, new everything. New and political it, situation, right? Depending on where you're located. Yeah, exactly. And so um, one of my goals um, when joining PFLAG, the PFLAG board, was how can and what can we do for military families in in our communities and those military families that have children and youth that identify LGBTQ+. And so working together with the PFLAG staff, uh, Laura Galliano is amazing. Uh, She is kind of like the director of all the PFLAG um, virtual communities. Mm -hmm. And so they're called community. Peace Like Connects communities, and there's a couple of them. There is an Asian American Pacific Islander community, there's a Black African American community, mm-hmm. the Latino Latina community, and now there is a military community, and that is something I'm really proud of. Mm-hmm. Um, we just got it off the ground. We have families from not only um, CONUS in the U.S., but also OCONUS overseas that mm-hmm. have joined us in our virtual flag military connects yeah. meetings support meetings for families and the pros of this is that they're not having to start over every time they move to a new location uh, to find a support and then it, they have something that's continuous mm. and it's a safe place yeah for them and one of the main difficulties I think that military families have is those military families that have children uh, that are trans and the mm-hmm. medical care, mm-hmm. and then the disruption of that medical care when they move oh, yeah. to a new um, military base or post, wherever you want to call it, 
that is just, it's really hard. I mean, it's hard as a military child. And then you add this extra layer and this, that uncertainty. And then, like you said, the political, you know, you know, landscape that's happening right now in our country. um, It it can be very terrifying for a military family who has a child um, who needs that medical care. So, for me, um, it's one step in the right direction. Um, it's moving that needle a little bit forward and making yeah. sure that our military families um, have a safe place to come and ask questions yeah. and that PFLAG resources are for everybody. Thank you so much, Elizabeth. Really appreciate that that perspective. You know, I think sometimes we can think, oh, well, you know, particularly in the Bay Area. I mean, might most parents in the Bay Area, if their kids come out, are like, oh, Okay, great. Sounds wonderful. It doesn't seem like it has uh, quite the intensity that it might have in in some other places. And obviously, PFLAG works across um, many different political and and social dynamics. And so what we want to bring in to be able to to talk about that is Susan Thronson. She's the board president of PFLAG National. Thanks for joining us, Susan. It's absolutely my pleasure. And it's been such a moving conversation so far. You know, I did want to ask you about um, something that Elizabeth mentioned at the end, which is that, you know, it's PFLAG supports, you know, parents of all LGBTQIA plus um, kids. And so what have you seen within the organization in terms of, you know, queer kids versus, say, trans kids or gender expansive kids um, in terms of the support that people need? Yeah. So um, I've served on the PFLAG board for 10 years. Um, I came to PFLAG as a seeking support when my teenage child came out as trans in 2009. And I'm really, uh, it's so important, especially today, what we see across the country, that I'm the first PFLAG board president um, of a transgender child. Mm. And this perspective in this journey is so different, as your point when you said, when someone comes out gay, lesbian, queer, to um, the, the journey of navigating particularly a transgender youth through their transition and on you're dealing with social, you're dealing with schools, you're dealing with medical, behavioral health, and of course the government, um, wherever you are, whether that's federal, state or local. And so this journey is so unique um, and and still rare. Um, And I would say that it was 15 years ago that um, we really started to see the shift of who was attending our support groups. So when I joined this trans family support group and found a community of trans advocates and family members who shared their experiences, we were in one room in a Sunday afternoon church basement. It's so classic PFLAG. And there was another um, concurrent support group for families of gays, lesbians, and, and queer people. And we would steal chairs from that group to bring into the trans family support group. We were busting out at the seams. Hmm. Um, you know, Catherine, I wanted to ask you about this. I mean, I wondered if the underlying rationale for writing this story was that this particular moment has, there's so much intensity coming from conservative forces around trans kids and also targeting the parents of trans kids. Was this kind of, a way of helping to steal the spine of parents out there by showing this portrait of moral courage? (laughs) 
Alexis, I'm, I'm so grateful to you because you put the best possible spin on everything I do. Um, <laughs> I, I think there were, I think there were kind of three impetuses for writing this. And to be honest, the first one was simply I, for reasons I wish I could reconstruct but can't, I came across the story of Jean Manford and thought, whoa, this is incredible and everyone should meet this woman and maybe I have the power to, to help make that happen. Um, so some of it was purely that. Um, some of it, of course, was real awareness about, you know, it's nice to imagine that progress is, uh, is, is teleological and things always get better, but we are obviously living in a moment uh, in which it is just devastatingly difficult, uh, certainly to be trans or the, the parent or friend or family member of someone who's trans, but frankly, also uh, we're seeing plenty of, of backlash and, and backwards mm-hmm. movement around queer people of all kinds. Um, but, you know, I will say quickly that the, the, the third impetus, to the extent that I had some elaborate theory about why to write this piece, uh, you know, one of the things I really admire about PFLAG is it is explicitly a movement of allies. And I, I feel that uh, we are also living in a moment in which there is a lot of political suspicion about how well we can support people with whom we do not completely share an identity. Uh, and and I feel like PFLAG from the beginning has been a really shining example of, of how successful that can be and also how important it is uh, to, you know, to, to embrace people who want to help and want to support and, 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 and want to um, do right by the world and, and work for a better vision of it. And I'm, I don't mean to be naive or glib, obviously, you know, political allyship can be complicated and fraught and, and incredibly frustrating and sometimes people who want to be allies are not actually, you know, very good ones. <laughs> so I, I don't mean to simplify the issue, but I was struck by But it's it possible. I, I mean, it's like the well. existence <laughs> proof, right? Yeah. It, to me, that's yeah. really what, yeah. I, what, I, what I took away from it, too. Yeah. We, um, we are talking about PFLAG. That's Parents, Family, and Friends of Lesbians and Gays, which is an advocacy and support organization that began uh, 50 years ago. Uh, there's an amazing telling of the story uh, of the origin in Catherine Schultz's feature in The New Yorker, which is how one mother's love for her gay son started a revolution. We're also joined this morning by Susan Thronson, who's the board president of PFLAG National, and we're taking your calls and comments. Maybe you are the parent of an LGBTQ child. How have you shown your support? Or if you are gay, queer, trans, how has your parent support or lack of it affected your life? You can give us a call. The number is 866-733-6786. I'm Alexis Madrigal. Stay tuned for more right after the break. Support for Forum comes from San Francisco Opera. Set 10 years after a school shooting, the critically acclaimed opera Innocence takes us into a complex emotional journey where our understanding of innocence and guilt is constantly upended. Kaya Sariajo's ethereal score collapses the past into the present as a community of survivors grapple with how to move forward. Don't miss the highly anticipated American premiere of Innocence, June 1st through 21st. Learn more at sfopera.com. We've all got those parts of our house where the internet just won't go. Well, if you had wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you could worry less about dead spots. Because with wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you get fast speeds, reliable connection in every room, and power for all of your devices, even when everyone's online. That's wall-to-wall Wi-Fi only with Xfinity. Restrictions apply. Not available in all areas. Actual speeds vary. 
Welcome back to Forum. I'm Alexis Madrigal. We are talking about PFLAG, its founding, and its 50th anniversary this year. Joined by Catherine Schultz, staff writer with The New Yorker. Most recent piece uh, for the magazine was How One Mother's Love for Her Gay Son Started a Revolution about the origins of PFLAG. We're also joined by Susan Thronson, board president for PFLAG National. Uh, earlier, we were joined by Avril Swan, granddaughter of PFLAG founder Jean Manford, who's a Swan's a physician, practices in San Francisco. Um, we are want to get to a few more comments and calls in this segment of the show. Matthew writes in to say, As a young gay man, I grew up in the Bay Area during the 70s and enjoyed the unqualified support of my mom. I'm so worried about the new generation of queer folks right now. Just look at the rates of suicidality and depression as a snapshot of the dire state of affairs. Where's PFLAG visibility in this critical national moment? How are PFLAG and other allies countering the 428 anti-LGBT bills pending or passed in state legislatures? Seems like it's time for a new stonewall to reset the narrative and revitalize our national and local political cultures regarding human rights for all minorities with LGBTQ leading the way. And let's, um, let's stack that comment with Kane in Petaluma. Welcome, Kane. Hi, thank you. Thank you so much for having me on the show. Um, It's really funny that uh, I I just left the Social Security Administration office in the area where I live because I just had the gender marker on my daughter's Social Security card changed. Um, So and then I got in the car and listening to this show, it feels really great to be a part of it. Mm -hmm. Um, So my experience as a parent of a... uh, transgender daughter has been really wonderful. Uh, I, I, consider it, I consider myself to be blessed. Um, and living here in California has just been such a gift to us because of all the policies and laws that California has in place to support people like my daughter uh, with gender-affirming care and changing birth certificates and Social Security cards and, and all those things. Um, and we've never been more grateful to be residents of mm. California. Uh, such a accepting an open environment, and I'm so horrified at what I see happening in all these other, um, you know, Republican-led state legislatures across the country, mm-hmm. and I feel paralyzed, and I'm not sure how I can support and what I can do to help the movement grow in the direction that I feel like it needs to. And so my question is, what can we do? How do we support these? children in these families that are being shut out from mm-hmm. um, the, uh, the possibility of living a beautiful, happy existence. Uh, yeah. So thank you for allowing me to, to express that. I feel the show is so necessary, and I'm so grateful to be here in California. What can we do to yeah. help these kids yeah. and families in the rest of the country? Kane, thank you so much. I, uh, As a parent, I feel very, very similar um, about about my kid as well, um, Susan. What do you think? Where, how, how do we how do we help here? Um, do we need all need to have our own Gene Manford moment? It feels like in terms of uh, helping here. There was a quote in that Pat Collins interview where Gene Manford says, "I will do anything within my power," and I think that that sums what our our caller and and what you've also described. And, and we admit it, right? Um, our youth and, and those who love them are really struggling to make the communities that we live in to see 
our humanity, our shared humanity right now. And so PFLAG is doing whatever we can at the very local level, going to school boards and talking about book bans, um, going to city councils and talking about drag show ordinances. And really importantly, for the first time, we're a plaintiff in a court case, PFLAG versus Governor Abbott of Texas. And um, we're protecting parents of transgender children from being investigated for child abuse, for simply ensuring their children have access to essential health care. This is the same gender affirming health care that my husband and I were able to seek for our child without any fear of retribution because of where we lived. Gosh, yeah, that is I that that quote from Gene Manford. Anything within my power, really, and and the passion behind it also really sticks. Um, let's let's bring in Emily in San Jose. Welcome, Emily. Hi, thank you so much for having me on. Um, my commentary is just that in my family, my parents had such extreme uh, views and beliefs that, uh, and my brother, who's younger than me is um, a part of the LGBTQ plus community, but due to their extreme views, it he completely ostracized himself from our entire family, even though myself and other relatives absolutely love and support him very much. And so it's been really, really horrible um, to not be able to support him, uh, the members of our family that would like to support him. And so organizations like PFLAG are so great, and it's really become um, a life passion of mine to support members of my community as much as I can to try to keep things like that from happening again, because it's pretty brutal to lose a family member, even if you do support them because of how much um, mm. negativity and attack they receive from other people. Yeah. Emily, I'm really sorry to hear that, and um, glad you've been able to get some some support around it. Um, I want to bring in Lilith Rose, who's the former executive director and current program director at San Francisco's PFLAG chapter. Um, welcome to the show, Lilith. Hello. Thank you for having me. Yeah. Lilith, maybe um, I thought you know, for someone out there who's, who's struggling right now in the Bay Area, um, how do they kind of come into into PFLAG San Francisco? Uh, that's a great question. Uh, we usually, t- uh, through two different ways, either they find us through some Google searching, mm-hmm. they find our support group, and then they sign up for our next support group. And it's as simple as that, and we see them there. Uh, but we do have quite a few people that email, call, or text uh, our support line. And they have a deeper curiosity. They have questions. They have concerns. A lot of these people have very young children who are questioning their gender and sexuality. Mm-hmm. And these parents were not prepared to answer these questions at such a young age. Mm-hmm. And so that's usually how they come into us. And myself or one of our other board members or support uh, volunteers will answer and then give them all the love and support they need and then direct them to our support group or other resources in the city. Yeah. And do you like, do you still see PFLAG working the way you know, that Catherine has described it, you know, people kind of come in for support, but sort of leave as advocates or, or do you, like, how does it work? Uh, yes, 
Exactly. Our board is it almost entirely comprised of former support group members, mm -hmm. and many of them still attend the support group. I myself was a support group member in PFLAG Austin, and that fundamentally changed my entire life. And that's what led me to initially reach out to PFLAG San Francisco, get involved, get on the board, and then start working there full time uh, over that last year as the executive director. And it's it's truly wonderful to see, and it's one of my favorite things about PFLAG is that once people attend one meeting and see all the amazing people that go there, they just keep coming back and they just keep wanting to get involved more and more. Mm -hmm. And that's my one of my favorite parts about working here. Yeah. Um, let's bring in another caller. Um, Kay, Colin, actually from Norman, Oklahoma. Welcome, Kay. Hi, thank you. Thank you for doing the show. Yeah, absolutely. Tell me, tell me about your journey. Uh, my husband and I started this journey about 41 years ago when our son came out to us when he was a junior in high school. That was 1982, and there was no P-flag for us. So um, about 25 years ago, I helped start the chapter in Norman, Oklahoma, because um, I realized how much we needed PFLAG, and once we found PFLAG, how much um, benefit it was to families and other family members and, and the LGBTQ community. So we've been on this journey quite a while. Yeah. You know, Kay, for, for folks out here who you know, kind of are in Bay Area culture and feel supported by the social norms around them and are, are worried about folks in other parts of the, the country, you know, they're looking at their kid, you know, and they're imagining, well, what if this kid was growing up in, you know, in a different place where they had um, less support? How can people out here really connect in to communities out there and help in the way that, you know, people like Kane would like to? Uh, that's, uh, that's a really good question. Uh, the One of the great things about PFLAG in its national scope is that it is connected all over the country. Almost anybody in any, for instance, let's take a rural community like Godibo, Oklahoma. There's There are gay kids all in every nook and cranny of Oklahoma, and they can connect at least online. Um, they can call us on the phone. They can send us a text. They can find our website. And the connectivity is a great strength of PFLAG. Um, and... You know, the situation in Oklahoma is as dire as all the other southern states, mm. and it's excruciating to watch the attack that has mm. come to our LGBTQ loved ones, especially our transgender young and non-binary kiddos um, by the legislation. And, you know, decades ago, it used to be benign ignorance where people just kind of left others alone. And we would find our support, but now it is open. They have been given permission to hate and to rain down terror upon anybody who is in the LGBTQ community, and it's mm. it's pretty sickening. Yeah. So I think but, it is time for another Stonewall. Yeah. Kay, <laughs> thank you. Thank you so much for, for this call and just man, for, your, for your courage out there, too. You know, um, it's... Thank you, thank you so much. You're um, welcome. Let's go to uh, let's go to Sue in uh, in Napa. 
Hi. Um, I'm uh, a 72-year-old lesbian, and um, I wanted to say two things about what P-Flag means to me. The first is that every Pride Parade, P-Flag is the most loved group. When they walk by, we we cheer, we get goosebumps, we cry, because we know that P-Flag is our family, and, and they're saying, we love you. And the second thing is, I've moved a lot, and every time I get to a new city, the first place I go is to a P-Flag group, because there is always P-Flag there. There may not be an LGBTQ group, but P-Flag is there, and they welcome me with open arms and love and lots of hugs. And that's all I want to say. We love (laughs) P-Flag. Sue, thank you so much. Um, You're welcome. People out there may know I have a non-binary kid, and this show's a little emotional, and I'm just so grateful to the work that people are doing, and Kay and Sue, you you got me. This <laughs> is I really uh, appreciate this. Um, I you know um, Susan Thronson. If people want to get involved uh, more deeply, do they go to their local chapter? Do they go to the national? Like, what do they do? Yes, and <laughs> yeah. so either either way, and it's pflag.org. Um, you can find local chapter. We haven't talked a lot about the fact that we have an awful lot of publications on a wide range of topics. We've talked about faith issues. We've talked about how to be a grandparent to an LGBTQ mm-hmm. youth. Um, uh, you name it, we have it. Um, and uh, I, I'm, I'm glad this is radio because I've been crying through this. Whole- <laughs> you and me both. Uh, it's, it's uh, yeah. Um, let's uh, bring in uh, one more call. Let's try and get to uh, Peter in Palo Alto. Welcome. Hi. Thank you very much for uh, for this opportunity. Um, I wanted to talk about how it was for me and my family when my son came out as transgender. Um, we didn't know. Uh, his friends knew. His school knew. Uh, his support group knew everybody knew but us uh we were the last to know and i i think like a lot of parents we had a hard time accepting what was happening and it wasn't an easy path for us and i got a lot of feedback on a forum that i joined that if i didn't accept my son immediately and with no reservation that i was a horrible person and a horrible parent And um, I have to say, that's really disturbing to me looking back that that was the reaction that I got. I think a lot of parents have doubts, misgivings, concerns. It doesn't mean that we don't love our children. It just means that maybe we aren't educated enough about what it means to be trans. Um, Over time, and working with his therapist, we came to fully accept Max, and I'm his biggest advocate now. I helped him get his name changed, his gender markers changed, and he knows that I love him unconditionally and that I'm there for him. But that wasn't the way that it started, and I I just think it's important for people to know that it's okay to have doubts, but um, don't give up. It gets better for, for everybody. 
Hey, thank you for that, Peter. And, you know, I think Susan Thronson, you know, parents go on this journey too, and it feels like one of PFLAG's roles is to be a place to really hold that for them. Yes, and and I'm, I'm to the caller, I'm, I'm so sorry that you had that experience, but what you're describing is not an uncommon experience. Parents operate out of love, and we also operate out of fear. And I can speak for myself. I was afraid um, for my child's safety. I was afraid that my child would not be able to achieve their dreams. Um, and, and I was afraid that my child may not find someone for whom, um, who deserved the, their love. And so by acting on all of that, I, it, you know, you're, you're questioning, you're asking yourself, am I doing the right thing? Is this, and, and, and these communities, these, these other parents who are ahead of the journey, who are further along than I was really became so important in that. Um, and so it is important, regardless of what our children are going through, to be asking the questions, um, seeking advice, seeking multiple um, advisors um, before we make decisions yeah. on any topic, especially this one. Thank you so much. We have been talking in this hour about PFLAG, Parents, Family, and Friends of Lesbians and Gays, which is an advocacy and support organization for the LGBTQIA plus community. It celebrates its 50th anniversary this year. This show was inspired by Katherine Schultz's amazing feature in The New Yorker. It's how one mother's love for her gay son started a revolution. Thank you so much for joining us, Catherine. Thanks so much for having me on. I've been so moved to listen to everyone. They've been so good. And thank you for the piece, too. It's really beautiful. I believe ev- literally everyone should read it. Um, we've also been joined by Susan Thronson, uh, board president of PFLAG National. Thank you so much, Susan. You're welcome. It's been a pleasure. Also been joined by Lilith Rose, former executive director and current program director of San Francisco's PFLAG chapter. Thank you, Lilith. Glad to be here. And earlier, we were joined by Avril Swan, granddaughter of PFLAG founder Jean Manford. Thank you so much to all of you doing the work out there. It is my birthday today, and this was an excellent, excellent way to celebrate people's courage and also my birthday. I'm Alexis Madrigal. Stay tuned for another hour ahead with guest host Guy Marzarati. Funds for the production of KQED's Forum are provided by the John S. and James L. Knight Foundation, the Generosity Foundation, the Germanicos Foundation, and the Heising Simons Foundation. Support for Forum comes from San Francisco Opera. Set 10 years after a school shooting, the critically acclaimed opera Innocence takes us into a complex emotional journey where our understanding of innocence and guilt is constantly upended. Kaya Sariajo's ethereal score collapses the past into the present as a community of survivors grapple with how to move forward. Don't miss the highly anticipated American premiere of Innocence, June 1st through 21st. Learn more at sfopera.com. We've all got those parts of our house where the internet just won't go. Well, if you had wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you could worry less about dead spots. Because with wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you get fast speeds, reliable connection in every room, and power for all of your devices, even when everyone's online. That's wall-to-wall Wi-Fi only with Xfinity. 
Restrictions apply. Not available in all areas. Actual speeds vary. All over the country, we need to improve reading in Wisconsin. Schools are changing the way they teach reading. I'm calling for a renewed focus on literacy. We have gotten this wrong in New York and all across the nation. And it's happening because of a podcast. I think your podcast has changed my life. And I'm going to share this podcast with everyone I meet. Sold a Story investigates how teaching kids to read went wrong. New episodes of Sold a Story are available now.